Okay, sir, start it for us. Is it started? Yeah. Uh, did Psycho Killer, <laughs> Kesker say? No. <laughs> what do you mean, no? No, no, no. So how's that start? <laughs> God damn it. Okay. All right. Welcome, everybody, to a new episode of Cashews and Critics. I am your host, Jim. Yes, I'm calling myself Jim. I don't care how anybody fucking calls me Jimmy. I'm calling myself Jim. I am now Mr. Brandon. Brand, Brand, well, really? <laughs> Mr. Brandon? Yes, you, I prefer you forward to me by that name from now on. Can you stop making your voice deeper? <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, <laughs> I swear to God, it was deeper. I was like, what the hell? Maybe I just woke up. You think about that? No, <laughs> I know you didn't wake up. <laughs> You're right. I still not. I haven't woken up. <laughs> wake up, people. <laughs> what is this? Rage Against the Machine references? Why? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, how's how are you doing today, Brandon? I'm doing okay, I suppose. Uh, mm-hmm. I got the day off tomorrow as well, so oh, lucky that's bastard! Pretty nice. Wait, you're working? You're not working tomorrow? Oh, I'm doing your shift. Fuck. Yeah, fun. <laughs> have fun, idiot. Damn. Well, no. Do you want to take it back? Take what back? My shift? No. Yeah. Why would I? <laughs> Uh, I, I've been working seven days, man. Come on. Yeah, so what's another one, really? <laughs> okay. So, in honor of our... Um, you want to use this one as a starting point for our October? Yeah, I mean, we could use it. That's kind of why I picked the film. So right, Fair enough. So, this is going to be our first episode on a, run, on a month-long series. Which is covering horror films for the month of October. Do not have a name for it. I don't know. Call it Spooktober. I I got nothing. Spooktober. Spooktober. Jim Jimmy and Brandon Spooktacular. Spooktacular. <laughs> Spooktacular month. The most like generic names. <laughs> right. Oh uh, shit. <laughs> Can't think of any other name. I don't know. Guys, if you guys have a better name, whoever listens to this, hit us up. <laughs> we need creativity. No, it's fine. We're good. Spook- Spooktober it is. Spooktober. Fine. All right. Spooktober. So this is our first film that we're doing. And uh, we decided to do a movie that kind of like pioneered uh, the slasher genre in a sense. So we're talking about uh, 1960s Alfred Hitchcock's movie, Psycho. Uh, Hitchcock being like one of the, if not one of the most famous directors, you could put it like a top five of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'd put him up there. Yeah, like it, that is like your Mount Rushmore of directors. You know, you're gonna have Spielberg there, Hitchcock, Michael Bay, <laughs> Michael Bay. <laughs> I don't know who would I put there. It'd be like, yeah, Spielberg, obviously, like, yeah. You mind flood me with that Michael Bay quote. <laughs> <My punch. laughs> I don't know, like Martin Scorsese, probably. Mm. Maybe Tarantino? Ooh, I don't That's know. controversial. Because then we're forgetting Kubrick. Yeah, Kubrick. I mean, if you want to go back, you can be like... Uh, but Mount Rushmore is only four people, really. 
I was making a new Rushmore. <laughs> the second much Rushmore. <laughs> Who else is in there? Like Francis Ford Coppola. Probably. Yeah. Be up there. Yeah. There's a lot. You could you could go with a lot of choices. Honestly. No, honestly, I feel like that in in itself is like an hour or two podcast if we'd ever decided to talking about various directors. Yeah, pretty much, and then just talking about their like directing styles. Kurosawa. Kurosawa. Yeah, you know, like we can go on forever and ever. Like it for the amount of like shitty directors out there. There's also like like abundance of really good directors too i mean like in more in the modern era i'd say like christopher nolan sort of yeah christopher nolan i'm not a really big fan of uh wes anderson or the paul thomas anderson and whatever but i know they have uh they generate a crowd of uh audience i don't know i don't know it's slightly underrated well not underrated but like less more overlooked is like ben affleck honestly yeah, yeah, no, honestly, Ben Affleck, you know, because everybody just really just talks about the tabloids with Ben Affleck, which is such a shame because I felt like he finally got himself out of that hole. And then, like, he started doing, like, what, Argyle? <laughs> no, well, he got himself out of that hole by doing, like, Gone Baby Gone, The Town, Argyle. And then, like, as soon as he starts doing Batman movies, this man is back in tabloids again. Yeah. He starts dating J-Lo again. He's back in tabloids again. I'm like, God damn it, man. <laughs> this guy can't just take a win. No, he cannot. <laughs> Honestly. Um, but I guess, in a sense, we could also just talk about, like, the goats or the Mount Rushmore of suspense uh, genre. Suspense. Which, I guess, suspense... Or thrillers is a subcategory of horror films, or does horror films just become its own category? Again, it's kind of up in the. I mean, table. suspense doesn't necessarily have to do with horror because Alfred Hitchcock's done a lot of suspense films that aren't horror based, right? Like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say like Rear Window isn't necessarily a horror film. Mm-hmm. It's closer to a thriller than anything, right? Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't say something like uh, Vertigo is a horror film at all. Yeah. And that's definitely a suspense film, right? Mm-hmm. That's more of a... Yeah. Suspense is pretty much... Is, is a lot closer to thrillers, I'd say. Except this film is not. This is more closer to a horror film than a, than a thriller. Yeah. Yeah, you can say that. Because I feel like, again, like... This is... Remember, let's put everything into context with 1960. At that time, horror movies were just like... Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Yeah, like monster movies, right? Yeah, fantasy movies, like things that are not really real. Yeah, per se, right? Like Dracula and like yeah, like uh, Godzilla, I guess. Yeah, you could say that. Like, it's not really a horror film, but it's a monster film. But. Yeah, okay, I could say Godzilla, but I feel like we're talking about a North American standard. At yeah. that time, like, Japan, like, I don't think Japan media was really crossing with American media at that time as much. But, yeah, I guess you could say that, like... I mean, it's, I guess, yeah, they wouldn't have, like, a horror genre because it's, like... Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's because, it's mostly just because of the times they didn't like depicting, like... Horror is often associated with, like, violence, right? Like, and grab. So, like, they didn't really do, like, 
graphic violence back in the day, right? That was yeah. like not that was just not allowed. There was not a thing that was done. Like they had violence, obviously, they had like gangster movies and stuff, but it was all like it wasn't that graphic. You'd have like a guy get shot or something, yeah, and he'd be like, ah, and then he'd fall over. Yeah. And but wouldn't, like, like get any see any even see any blood really. Exactly. But I feel like this film really pushed out boundaries and had the feeling that the suspense or the horror, if you will, of just a regular guy seems okay to everybody just be like a lunatic, uh, a cycle. <laughs> huh? Huh? <laughs> yeah, weird. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was based off a book, I believe. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, it was based off a novel. I don't, I think the novel, yeah, the novel had the same name. I see. So it's like, yeah, I remember reading that Alfred Hitchcock bought the rights to the book for like $9,000 or something. Mm -hmm. And then he bought up as many copies of the book as possible. So no one would know the ending as well. Uh, so, that makes sense. So he really was trying to keep it a secret. Yeah. I think we were talking about this before, like even during the screenings of the show, they had like a whole thing saying like, you're not allowed in the theater, right? Yeah. Like they had like a apparently like a cutout of like Alfred Hitchcock there and being like, you know, if we have like trained officers here and if you try to break in through like the escape emergency or like the ventilation, you'll be met with force, you know, like, yeah. And then they had apparently like a record had counting down and be like 10 minutes to psycho time, five minutes to psycho time, you know, like, yeah. So, yeah. No, seriously. Like, I, I think that like, I guess we were just talking a little bit before we uh, aired it that like, like, it just felt like the 1960s at that time was, like, an event. Like, a like you going to, like, a show, you know? You're paying countless of money to go see a show, basically. Oh. And, and the theaters really treated it like that. I know for, like, a, other horror movies or, like, um, they would have, like, they would turn off the lights in, like, a screening, like, in the middle of the show. And then they'd be like, oh, something's loose. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, I forgot what movie they did that for, but they actually did stuff like that, or they would have like flying stuff, like in the in the theater room. Yeah, no, I remember reading like back in the day. They had a lot of gimmicks, which were like kind of failed, but they had stuff like one was, like you said, they'd have like a prop skeleton come down and yeah, like which didn't work because like teenagers like broke it, but yeah. Or they have one which was like, uh, they had like a literal smell of vision where it's like, they have like, they like, they gas like sense into the room, which like also didn't work because like if you're right next to it, you'd like get suffocated essentially. And then if you're like too far away, it wouldn't work. Yeah. And then they tried putting like every chair and that was like way too expensive to put in the theater. Yeah. And uh, actually, a much, uh, a very controversial director, John Waters. Mm. If you ever heard of him, mm -mm. he's done some very strange films. So he made like a, for one of his films, he made like a scratch and sniff card that you were supposed to scratch during certain scenes to smell things. But, oh, really? But John Waters, people don't know, has made uh, some interesting films over the years. Mm -hmm. I think his most famous one being Pink Flamingos, where a woman literally ate shit in it. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah. Also, John Waters literally looks like uh, Gomez Adams, sort of. Wow. <laughs> yes. one are we talking about, like, 1990s? Yeah, exactly. He has like, the slick back hair, the pencil mustache, and, like, the striped suit. 
Oh, God. And he's like, geez. Yeah, I've seen one of his films and it was very odd. Like, wow. I forget what it was about. It was like, there was some like weird disease going around that turned people into sexual deviants or something. Okay. Why does this guy sound like he's like a fucking Ed Wood? And, like, <laughs> Selma Blair was in it, I believe. So. Oh. I mean, Exorcist Girl? Yeah. She had like massive prosthetic breasts like literally the size of her head you know like damn i was like what the hell is this film i I don't yeah it's weird anyway so back to the there was a lot of gimmicks they had and it's like i think up until like the 60s 70s yeah but even like the theaters themselves like you only had one screen you didn't have like a big multi-theater with like 10 screens you went to see right yeah that's true they had the big theater they had the balcony and everything so like it was like a big event. You went with your family, you know. Yeah. They had like intermissions and stuff. Yeah. Know? And like, and as this point out, like people were just kind of allowed to like walk in and out whenever they felt like it really. Yeah, so, pretty much. Because I don't know, maybe that was just like the filmmaking at the time. It wasn't as relevant necessarily to see the whole movie or see the, you needed to be there right at the start to get the plot, right? Yeah. Because you had like musicals and stuff like. You can kind of figure out what's going on. Yeah, exactly. From like part way into the film, so. Yeah, so I don't know. I just felt like at least there was like some effort. I mean, there's some things now in, in like current theaters that we like to do. Like we have like the VIP section, which I wasn't a huge fan of that before, like just by words. But when I actually like went to a VIP section. Oh, when you actually could go, as you realized. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, this could have Living the high life over here in your reclining leather chair. Yeah, it's kind of dope. Bringing your beer and whatever. Yeah, I mean, you could bring a beer in uh, every uh, other theater nowadays. Oh, you can, yeah, but before, it's like a, a big thing, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember when they first did that, they were like, oh, you can order a beer in the theater now. Yeah. Right? And it's like, yeah. And it was like, I don't know how long, but that was like 20 years ago, probably. Yeah. And that became a thing. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a really good gimmick. Uh, I guess one of the other gimmicks I hated was the 3D thing. I'm I'm happy that I don't like. I've got I like I, if I have the option to see like a regular showing in a 3D, I always choose the regular. Like I never want to see the 3D. Yeah, no, I I hated that because a lot of like back then, like this is after like Avatar, right? Uh, everybody was like back on the 3D craze. But, like, it wasn't even, like, designed for... It was, like, post-3D. Like, they just added it in post. Yeah, because Avatar, like, they they intended it to be shown in 3D, right? Like Exactly. Was, yeah, I mean, back in the day, they always... 3D movies, they're always, like, super gimmicky. Like, they're throwing stuff at the screen, or they're, like, pointing the finger, like, at you, like, ooh. Yeah. Like, so it's coming out of the screen at you. Yeah. I think Alfred Hitchcock had one I saw in 3D. It was Dial-M for Murder. Oh, that was for 3D? Yeah, where oh. it's like she's like on the lying down on the table and she's like reaching for something. It's like, ah, oh, it's like her hands coming out at you. I'm like, wow, this is super gimmicky. Wow. Yeah. And then it's like, yeah, back when you had to wear the, <laughs> the blue and the blue red. and red, the yeah. shitty paper glasses they gave you. Yeah, the one where that guy in like Back to the Future sewers. I unironically <laughs> still don't understand that. <laughs> It's so hard to see out of those things. Like, <laughs> like you can't see anything. Yeah, I know. It was, man was making a fashion statement back in the 60s. <laughs> I didn't catch on, so. Yeah, so uh, I think we got a little bit sidetracked. My bad. But um, 
basically, we're just telling you guys how, like, the 1960s were in terms of just show. show. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, in terms of show, in terms of what was actually being shown. Yeah. Which is why this film is so, I guess, considered a classic, not just because it's a good movie, but also because of what it accomplished at the time. Exactly. Exactly. Like, nowadays, you, you, you can't hear stories like, oh, like, like, you can't come in midway through a screening. Like, I'm pretty sure people can buy a screening to a ticket if they want to. Just people don't obviously do that. Well, yeah, now it's like if you miss, like, half the movie, it's like, what's the point, right? Like Exactly. But, yeah, no, the fact that, like, people, like, Hitchcock actually instructed people to stop that. And itself, that's so bizarre. Also, like, again, like, we're going to talk about it more in the plot, but, like, Hitchcock took a lot of liberties with doing things that at the time in Hollywood weren't really there, you know, like he was a pioneer in a sense. Yeah, no, he definitely tried to go for things that were just generally, I guess, sort of frowned upon, at least in the not so much in the filmmaking community, but with like censors, I guess, (laughs) mostly. You can say that, yeah. Um, well, we can talk about the plot if anybody hasn't watched uh, Cycle. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, it's not like a super long plot to explain. It's like, starts off, we get introduced to our main character, um, Marion Marion Crane, played by Janet Lee. Yeah. And she's, it's showing she's in a hotel room with a guy. Mm-hmm. Back to what we were just talking about, it's just like, yeah, this kind of thing wasn't shown in like, 1950s like a guy like a like a guy and a girl literally just had sex yeah Yeah, and they're unmarried too so yeah it's like was super taboo you weren't allowed to show that on the screen like at all ever and she's in a bra and everything like Mm -hmm. so it was like considered super racy at the time like nowadays it doesn't fucking matter you see a woman in a bra that's just like american pie like 10 or whatever pretty much that's like the, the that's like the opening scene like yeah pretty much before, you know, it gets even worse, so. Yeah, honestly. So, yeah, no, but it's just, like, at the time, it was, like, a big thing. It was, like, oh, my gosh, he's in a bra. Yeah, so, anyway, they're in the room. They're just talking about, like, their relationship, and the guy's, like, oh, I got no money, and she's, like, oh, yeah, we should be together anyway. By the way, that conversation, low-key, it just goes everywhere. Fuck, man. This girl says one second, oh, let's get married. Yeah, no. and then it'd be like, oh yeah, no, thinking about getting married, even though she was being sarcastic. Yeah, I'm gonna say this opening scene's probably like the weakest scene in the film, honestly. Uh okay, that's a debate. I, I I'll tell you what my opinion of the weakest. The weakest scene is. in terms of at least like acting, maybe just because there's so much dialogue that I, I can focus that I get focused on it more, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's like later there's some acting which isn't as as good as some of the rest of it, but it's like, this is like, they're talking for like five or 10 minutes and it's like, uh, this kind of drags on a little bit. Yeah. But anyway, it sort of establishes like the scene, like he's talking about, he has no money and she's just like, yeah, I want to get married or not. I don't know. Something right. They're just, they're figuring it out. They don't know what to do. Exactly. So yeah, she leaves the guy and he goes, she goes back to her workplace where she works at like, uh, I don't know, some kind of, property rental place or property yeah i think so real uh, that was like a yeah like a realtor 
Yeah, something like that. You sit there and like <laughs> your boss comes back with looks like the most stereotypical like rich Texan guy comes out. Oh yeah, percent. <laughs> like the cowboy hat, and, like the mustache like, and everything. Oh, I need some milk down. Or he said something about milk. Yeah, he said something about milk. I thought it was like a weird innuendo he was trying to make. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I really need some milk. And he sits right at a girl's like desk, right? Yeah. Yeah, back in the 60s, casual sexual harassment was fine, so. Yeah, clearly, right? <laughs> well, it's, I keep saying 60s. It was technically, like, right off the 50s, so, like, I'm not going to treat it more like it's a 50s thing. Yeah. So, but yeah, he's like, the Texan guy starts trying to flirt with her and be like, yeah, you know what? I do with unhappiness, so I just buy it out, you know? <laughs> casually mentions he has $40,000, which I looked up the inflation for. It's How like, much is it? Like, $4 million? No, it's not that. It's just 400000 That's still a lot of money to be yeah. carrying around in cash. Like, if you're just walking around almost a half a million dollars in cash in your pocket, that's, like, insane, right? Yeah. That's, like, cash. And he's, like, and obviously the guy doesn't want it in there because he's afraid he's probably going to get robbed. Yeah. And someone finds out, like, yeah, you got, like, a half a million dollars in your store. Exactly. <laughs> and not looking like a very secure store, so. No, no. So he's just, like, okay, I'll leave the money here. You go... You go take it to the bank, Marion, and, you know, we'll get him to write a check on Monday. But, like, until then, just put it in the bank for the safekeeping. Yeah. She's like, yeah, sure, I'll go. And then. I always like the female, uh, like, uh, partner she, ha- uh, she has, Marion. Or a co-worker. She's, yeah, a co-worker. She was like, oh, like, he was hitting on you. Oh, he, uh, I guess he noticed my, my wedding wing. I'm like, bitch, did you want him to hit on you? <laughs> Like creepy, Did you want him to sexually harass you? Like, creepy, actually? Creepy old guy. Yeah. yeah. This is why I often say I'm glad I'm not a young, attractive woman, so I don't have to deal with random creeps like, like this all yeah. the time. Like, hey, you know, you want to come out? I got uh, I got some money here, you know? Like, it's like, bro, like, chill. Like, yeah, exactly. It's just chill, fam. You're, you're, you're like 40 years older than word. <laughs> but I don't know. Anyway, so she goes and leaves, takes the money. And then it shows she keeps looking at the money. She's like, oh, you know, she's thinking about it, right? Mm-hmm. So she just takes it, gets in her car, and starts driving. Well, actually, they give you, like, um, a scene where, like, again, like, she's getting ready or somewhere like that. And then the camera kind of pans towards the money or, like, an envelope. Yeah. And you can see her getting ready. But at first, like, you don't know what's going on exactly. So it like gives you some sort of suspense that, like, what is she doing right now? Yeah, I think this is what Alfred Hitchcock does a lot well, especially in this film, is he does a lot of telling through actions rather than actual words. Yeah. So it's like most, a lot of this film, there's not a lot of dialogue, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, and but it's like you often see what the characters are going through just by, like, their body language and, like, the shots. Yeah. So it's like this whole scene, like there's no dialogue. Like, and for a while, she doesn't have any dialogue. No. She's just like shows her thought process and have like some voiceovers of people talking. Yeah. No, it works. Um, You know what? Uh, I feel insanely bad. We did not talk about the score of the film. The score of the film? Yeah. Uh, honestly, the score makes this film to me more than anything. Yeah, it's definitely one of the more memorable scores and i think the whole scene that comes on later in the shower which everyone probably knows it's, yeah, it's almost like it's like a really iconic the, scene even the, the the soundtrack from the 
is that is probably like super well known. Like it's been parodied so many times and used over the years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, my favorite piece of score, again, is the intro. And like it just really sets you. Like, I can't imagine watching this in 1960s, knowing the type of films we had before, and then just wake up into like this, like, the dun 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 dun. Like, yeah, exactly. You know, it really like shocks you. Yeah, I was going to say, even like the, what are considered the more darker films of the time, like, uh, uh, film noir style films weren't even that like shocking, right? Yeah, like they were depressing, but they weren't like so in your face about it. Yeah, no. So honestly, like our uh, Hernard uh, Birdman, that was a composer, fucking iconic, if not one of the better composers. Like you could put him in the top five goats of composing alone. Yeah, I mean, I think I was reading that Alfred Hitchcock liked his score so much that he like doubled or tripled his salary after he heard it. So yeah. Cause he was like, yeah, this, and then he later said like, like this, like this, this <laughs> the score was like a third of the film, like, and what made the film. Yeah. Like, no, honestly, I can't imagine cycle. Like imagine like uh, fucking some editor right now in the world, just try to edit cycle with no comp- with no comp- like music yeah would, it does not hit the same way i was gonna say yeah the original shower scene alfred hitchcock filmed it he was intended with no music at all mm-hmm. and then the guy scored it anyway so then he just like liked it so much he put it in yeah it's like can you imagine that scene with no music right like, yeah no i can't it's not the same no no so um go- sorry going back to what you were saying oh yeah going back she's just like she gets out of, she decides to take the money and like she sees her boss and she's like uh, suspicious, right? Cause she's like, at this point, you've probably figured out she's decided to run away with the money, right? Mm-hmm. And she's gonna use it to go meet up with her lover, Sam, mm-hmm. because he's talking about how poor he is, you know, and like 400 grand. I'm gonna keep saying 400 grand instead of 40 grand to put it in perspective. Mm-hmm. 400 grand is a lot of money to like start your life with. Mm-hmm. Like if someone just hands you 400 grand, like, well, maybe not nowadays, but you can put like a good a down payment on a decent house. No, hundred percent, four hundred grand. Yeah. So. Yeah. And then yeah, so she starts running away, and then she gets uh, she starts. A cop pulls up to her one time. She's like pulled over the side of the road, and she's found sleeping in there. Right. Well, before the boss sees her. I mentioned that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. So they have some like voiceovers of her like trying to be like, oh no. Oh, I shouldn't have done this, right? Like, with just talking to Sam, right? In her head. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. A cop pulls up to her and be like... <laughs> she acts super suspicious. I know, right? Oh, my God, man. Like, this whole scene of her trying to get away from people so she can, like, travel. It's, like, the most suspicious thing ever. Yeah, he's like, is there something wrong? No, does there seem like anything wrong? Uh, yeah, there does. <laughs> yeah. I like how he just says, like, yes, there is. <laughs> well, there isn't. Bye. <laughs> Drives away. I think it's more evident when, uh, after that scene, she goes to the car dealership. Oh, yeah, and she's, like, trying to get him to, like, yeah, okay, I'll just take a car. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's, it's usually not the customer, usually high-pressure salesman, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. By the way, Vol, I'm sorry, but that guy was hella annoying. I honestly would have like slapped the shit He's out of him. He used car salesman. I know, but what like, you God damn, bro, like, shut up. That's his job. <laughs> I don't shut up though. <laughs> That's his job. And then yeah, he starts getting suspicious for obvious reasons. He thinks the car is stolen, stolen which yeah. is the most obvious thing to think, right? Exactly. And also, there's like she keeps looking back at the cop who stopped across the street to watch her. Yeah. And then, Which is again, it's odd. Just like why can't you just creep up there? He already does it at the end. Yeah, and then he's like, "Yeah, what's my trading value of your car?" It's like, "Yeah, your car plus like seven hundred bucks, which is like seven thousand at the time, and it just pays in like cash, right?" Yeah. So it's like really suspicious. Like, okay, she just has like seven thousand dollars in cash on her at any given time. That's weird. Yeah. Like, maybe it's a little weird. Like, people don't usually pay for cars and, like, only cash, right? Yeah, but he's not a used car sh- sales place. When you not have cash for shit like that? I mean, no. It's not like you're going to, like, a Mercedes-Benz, like, dealership right now. I don't know. It, seems, know. it seems a little weird. Like, you still, I still don't think you'd do it. But. For, okay. Sure. Like, why wouldn't you just put it through your bank, right? Like, mm. why would you just come there only with cash? Mm. Yeah, this seems like a little weird. Mm. So anyway, yeah, he sells her the car. He switches the car. <laughs> Cops just, like, pulls in, like, follows her. Yeah. And she's still trying to run away. And she's... Has she didn't even have her, like, luggage with her. Yeah, she almost forgets her luggage, yeah. Yeah. She's got all the things going on in her head of boss being like, oh, yeah, you know, like... And she's supposed to be back by now, you know, and she's like realizes she's really suspicious. And she starts driving like the worst rain conditions I've ever seen. Like you cannot see anything out the window. Like it's insane. No, I know, right? Like I've, I've driven in conditions like that. I'm like never at night, thankfully. But like Jesus Christ, like I'm surprised she didn't like crash. Like, which I honestly think that that's what Hitchcock was trying to do in a sense. Because you got, I uh, maybe I don't know. I'm not, I'm not his fucking mind. But I, I honestly thought first time viewing, watching this, back in the days, like she was gonna crash. I mean, you have the close up to her face, which again, this is like Hitchcock director style thing. You know, he has like the peel, like the not the POV shot. Sorry, just the camera is just right in front of the person's face. Yeah, like really close ass angles. Yeah. And I'm, you're seeing that it's so rainy. I'm thinking, oh, she's going to fucking crash and the money's going to go, you know, or maybe somebody kidnaps her. I don't know. Right. But clearly, no, that doesn't happen. And then she pulls up to the more iconic Beast Motel now. Yeah, it gets, yeah, she gets a Beast Motel and she's like looking around for the guy and he sees like someone up in the, there's a, Big spooky looking house in the background. By the way, I've seen that uh, spooky house or in in real life. Yeah. Because I went to the I went to Universal Studios and then they did the lock tour. Oh yeah. Yeah, and they still had the house there, so it, I thought it was uh kind of cool. It looks as spooky. Uh, it was I was during the daytime, so yeah, you could say it's kind of like old. Old, well, I mean, it's pretty old. old now, but yeah, old, spooky. It looked like straight out of like Dracula's castles. That's <laughs> that's why I thought it was so funny about that house. Yeah, I mean, it looks like a haunted house essentially. Yeah, like very old, like 1920s, 1930s style, like mansion essentially. Yeah, but even like arch- architecturally speaking, it's just so weird. <laughs> yeah, it's, especially, yeah, especially weird to see. 
in the modern era. Which, yeah. Well, it wasn't 1960. It was not that modern, but yeah. No, it just in terms of design, doesn't look like it's a straight house. You know, it's just like curves and shit like that. Especially when you see the interior, it's so like jumbling. Yeah, I mean, that's how houses used to be because you'd have like servants' quarters and all this stuff, so they'd have to have like separate areas for everything. Ah, okay, okay. So you'd have to like make sure, right? Like, I think if you ever saw, um, what's that film? What's that? What's that one like horror film where it's like the family is like they got rich from like board games or something? And then they like, do you ever see that? Ready or not? Ready or not, yeah. Yeah. Or they have like the servants. Yeah. Passages and stuff, right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's it's like that, you know. Yeah. You watch that? No. Oh, okay, okay. I just know the whole plot of the film. Oh, okay. So anyway. <laughs> so yeah, they get there and they pull up and the guy sees someone up there and she starts like, she gets in her car like honks and the guy runs out. And he's like, oh, yeah, you got a room? You need a room? And he's like, yep. And she start, he starts making, like, friendly conversation. He seems like a kind of a awkward guy, you know? Like, he doesn't clearly see a lot of people, which I think he... Also makes. stutters a lot, too. He stutters a lot. He mentions, like, he doesn't see a lot of people very often. Yeah. So. Well, they mentioned about the highway. Yeah. The, the re- Yeah, she got off the main highway. This is, like, a side road at this point. So, mm-hmm. Which is, like, I guess the rain was so bad she couldn't see what road she was on. So. Damn. And it's kind of crazy she didn't crash, man. (laughs) Yeah, I thought about that. I'm like, how does she get off like a road and not even like a highway, not even know? Like, yeah. Like, Jesus. She's probably just following like whatever light she saw. Yeah. Which is all you can do. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. And they start making like some small talk. She's like, yeah, I'm just going to go to bed. So he gives him the key, invites him in the room. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, if you want to come up to the house, we're going to have some sandwiches or something. Sandwiches and milk. <laughs> sandwiches and milk. Well, you did say it was nothing fancy, to be fair. So he yeah. He didn't, like, play it up, you know? I don't. I just don't know anybody who... And then she's like, yeah, things. sure, you know, why not? I don't know. Maybe she's, like, doing it out of politeness or... Oh, I don't know why she did said yes, but she said yes. So she's getting ready, and then she hears, like, him arguing with, like, an old woman there, right? Yeah. About, like, you know, it's... You know, you can't be attracted to strangers, you know. You won't come up here and have my food, right? And just, What's next? Music? Then whispers? <laughs> it's just like, fam. <laughs> yeah, it's apparently from the 1800s here. Yeah, honestly. Like the noble courts here. <laughs> yeah, so he comes back out with like a tray full of like bread and milk and stuff. Yeah. I was like, where are the sandwiches, bro? It's just bread. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> okay, again. Uh, who the fuck eats sandwiches and milk, man? I'm sorry. Look, I know it's nothing fancy, but, like, that's a hell of a combo, dog. Look. It's, like, what, like, 9, 8, 9 p.m.? It's, it's late at night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, like, fam. That's, like... That's more easy, like, easier to understand if it was just breakfast food. Not fucking like 9, 10 p.m. food, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Who am I to judge, right? That's all he had, man. Maybe all he had was bread and milk, you know? Like, it's, it's, service has been that bad. Business has been so bad. He said business was bad. He said yeah. no one ever comes here anymore. Okay, okay, whatever, sure. Like, what do you expect this man to just be having, like, steak dinners every night? Like, Jesus. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. 
anyway, yeah. She's like, oh, yeah. When I, she's like, invites him, like, oh, oh, yeah, we can eat in the room, right? And he's like, kind of, you can tell he's like a little uncomfortable with that. He doesn't want him. I don't know what he was thinking was going to happen in the room, but like he was not comfortable with it. Yeah. So, invites her to the office, which is funny because he invites her to the office and then he's like, oh, yeah. The office is a little weird eating. Let's eat in the parlor. I'm yeah. like, why don't you just start with the parlor then? I know, right? <laughs> it's just odd. Like, even her reaction is kind of like, yeah. okay, sure. I mean, <laughs> you can tell there's something off about this guy, Norman Bates, like from the start. Like, at first, he just seems like an awkward guy. But I believe it's this scene that's sort of fully like shows you he's not like quite all there, right? Yeah. I mean, there's another scene in particular that like, doesn't really get talked about much is that like when she's choosing the the keys for which uh cabin she's about to stay in uh he hesitates a little bit when he's going for the keys yeah he's like selecting them right yeah because it's like yeah there's a bunch of he said literally all of them empty so like why the fuck does it matter where she is right like exactly so it's like so he he chooses the one right beside his office yeah you you see why after but then he takes her into the parlor and he has like a bunch of taxidermy birds like yeah. on the walls, which is like a little odd. Do you think taxidermy is odd? <laughs> I don't think it's that odd, but I mean, like, I, it's considered like an odd hobby to have, right? Yeah. Like stuffing dead animals, right? Yeah. I guess so. Like, I don't consider it that odd, but like, I can see why some people would be uncomfortable with it because it's like a literal dead animal that's been stuffed. Right. Yeah, no, I, I I wouldn't be able to do that. I have a I have a dog of my own. I'm yeah, not, like if I your dog died to. and then it had it stuffed and like placed in your house, like you'd be like a little weirded out by it, right? Yeah, no, I wouldn't feel comfortable about that. So honestly. yeah, they're sitting there and they're making some small talk, and then he brings up the topic of his mother, and you can hear that's when like you can tell the whole mood shifts. Yeah. Like, he starts, like, before he's, like, kind of, like, polite and he's, like, stuttering, right? Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, he becomes very, <laughs> pretty aggressive in his talking, right? Yeah, yeah. Talk and then she, like, mentions, like, oh, why don't you, like, put her away? And he's, like, oh, what do you mean? Like, a mental institution, you know? Like, and he's, like, gets angry at her, essentially. Yeah, pretty much. And then he's, like, sort of calms down a little bit, right? <clears throat> Mm -hmm. And then she's like, okay, you know what? I've had enough sandwiches. Even though there was no sandwich, it was just bread. <laughs> bread and, like, butter. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to go tired. And he's like, oh, you don't want to talk a little more? And she's like, no, I'm going to go. And he's like, okay, well. And she leaves. Which I think that's, like, like I don't even think she's... Actually, I don't know. Because she gives her real name. So on the hotel book, she put uh, Marie Samuels. Yeah, Marie Samuels, and she says, oh, it's like, oh, what's your name? It's like, oh, it's like a crane, right? And he immediately checks the book and be like, yeah, that's not her. That's not what she wrote, right? Like, so he knows she's lying. Yeah, but the fact that, like, she would still give her real name, I honestly thought that was, like, her not being insanely weirded out. So she didn't leave the conversation because, yeah, this guy's kind of weird. Because why would you give you your yeah. real name? I think she felt, like, a little bad for him. Like, pity, in a sense. Yeah, because he had the whole argument with his mother and you can tell he has, like, issues, right? Yeah. So he's like, yeah, this guy's probably, like, lonely or something. He has issues, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to try and be friendly to him. Yeah. But I think she just leaves because, A, you know, I'm pretty sure she is really fucking tired. She's been, like, running away all the time. She, like, slept on the side of a road. Exactly. 
she has like her own objective at the end of the day, you know. So she's not really trying to like feel him out in a sense or like be there for the dude stranger at the end of the day. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, but like I, I, I honestly thought like originally when I first watched this, the fact that she wants to get out of there, thought she was just uncomfortable and she's just making excuses. But then I started thinking about that scene in particular name, and I was like, I don't think that's the case then. I mean, she definitely was a little uncomfortable, but you're right. I mean, I don't think she left necessarily because of only that. Yeah. Like, maybe that, like, like was uh, the reason she got up and left. Because mm. she's like, okay, this conversation's maybe a little weird, and, you know, I'm pretty tired, you know. Maybe I don't want to carry on the conversation, so I'll just leave, right? Yeah. And maybe it's like, maybe she's like, maybe she thought it's like, oh, I'm like tired. I don't want to, I don't want to do this right now. I'll talk to this guy like the next day or something. Right? Yeah. So anyway, uh, I mean, this whole scene is pretty good, especially the way they, Alfred Hitchcock frames it, where it's like, um, you get the low angle shots of uh, Anthony Perkins. Anthony Perkins, by the way, is the actor. Yeah. That plays, plays Norman, Norman Bates. Bates. And he just like very... I guess the way it looks, it's like the way it's framed, it's like very intimidating. You yeah. Know, right? Once once he starts like going into his like more aggressive talk, it's like he suddenly is framed in a way it makes him more like intimidating than before. Yeah. Before he seems sort of like as a timid guy, and now it's like all of a sudden he's very imposing. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like he is kind of like he looks kind of like a bird, honestly. <laughs> I mean, I think that lends well to the character because it makes him seem like creepier, right? Like very th- tall, very thin. Hey, okay, apparently he's attractive to people. I mean, someone's attractive to everyone, dude. Yeah, there's someone out there for everyone, people. <laughs> I guess so, but I could have sworn I read like uh, news things where like you're saying, "Oh, he's really attractive." Oh yeah. So, anyway, she goes away to her room. And then he's like, he pulls a picture off the wall and he has like a peephole through the room. Exactly. Which is the reason why he gives the keys to number one. Yeah. And he's looking at her, like getting undressed. And like after she's done getting undressed, he like leaves. Okay. So fun fact about this. Um, so there is uh, a remake of this film. Yeah. A shot for shot remake. A shot for shot remake. But... There is small changes. Yeah. That people scene is one of the big changes there. Which is... uh, So, Vince Vaughn plays Norman Bates. Yeah, kind of odd, right? Um, And when he's checking her through the people, he's actually masturbating. Yeah, I read that. Yeah. Or it's implied that he's masturbating. Yeah, exactly. You can see his face is like, oh, type of thing, right? Like, that's how his face looks like. Oh, Vince Vaughn would do that. <laughs> right? Young Vince Vaughn would do that, right? Yeah. And then, um, so I kind of like that this scene doesn't really make him to be a huge creep. He's still a creep. But, like, there was still some, like, restraint he had. Yeah, you know, like imagine the people, like somebody people, and then just like you're jacking off to to them. That's that is not even borderline creepy. That is fucking creepy. Yeah, I mean, it's still pretty creepy to watch like someone undress, but like, yeah, it's like he didn't do anything, right? He just looked at her and was like, yeah, he didn't even like react. He just was looking. 
Yeah. And left. <laughs> I honestly thought, like, he just looked at it and then he kind of regretted it. Like, he's like, oh, no, like, maybe I shouldn't. Well, I mean, based on what you find out, he probably did regret it. <laughs> <laughs> probably. So, yeah, she gets undressed and then she's, like, going over the books, like, the money. Like, oh, I spent 40000 I spent 700 and I got this much left. And then she, like, <laughs> tears up the paper. <laughs> Sorry, I'm sorry. I, I had to I had to laugh at that scene a little bit. Why? She only spent hundreds. Yeah, I mean I thought about him like <laughs> I was like, you really need to keep track of this. You made a one purchase. It wasn't like she was making purchases throughout the whole day. Like oh I spent 30 here, I spent 250 over here, you know. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just that 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 made no sense. I only know it makes sense for the ending because they find that piece of paper. I thought she was. I thought she was just starting it just so she could keep track. But like, and then but then she tore it up. So I was like, okay, what was the point of that anyway? Like, I think she tore it up because she was like intending to go back. She said she was going back to Phoenix, right? So she was gonna go give back the money, right? Like. Oh, okay, okay. Like she originally, she kept track of it, and then she's like, you know what? Like, so she changed her mind, right? 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 She did do that, yes. Because yes. she did mention, like, they had a whole conversation about, like, you know, we all have our own traps, you know. And she's like, yeah, I got my own trap. I got to go back to, you know. So, mm-hmm. so she's implying she's like going to do the right thing after all and put the money back, right? Like, not steal it. Yeah, I mean, it's not even a smart decision. But at the end of the day, you lose your job. Well, I mean, you're gonna lose your job. You lose your references. Look, this is a different time. Like the fifties, maybe they were a bit more forgiving on like women or something. I don't know. What? <laughs> Look, as much as like shit they had to put up with, like in terms of like committing crimes, they were more forgiving. Okay, sure. I mean, it's it's, it's true. So. They had to deal with like a lot worse like daily lives, but like. The one caveat was, like, if they got accused of a crime, they were given, like, lighter sentences on yeah. some things. Because, I don't know, they were hysterical and because they're women or something. I don't freaking know. Like, wow, okay. We're not generalizing here. This, was a, the, this podcast does not generalize females. <laughs> I'm just saying, that's what they did in the 50s. They generalized them. I think even the, like, the... Yes, the 50s sales, and 60s did. We do not. <laughs> I think the used car salesman even said something like to that effect. He's like, yeah, yeah, have make up. You got have mine. Do whatever you want. You know, as as women do, or something like that. And I was like, oh, okay, I was like, okay. What? yeah. You could just We're, say that. Yeah, it's just fucking women do yeah. whatever they want. You know, honestly. Anyway, yeah. So this brings us to the most famous scene in the film, mm-hmm. the shower scene. Mm-hmm. And this scene is filmed really well. And it's that, this film was also the most controversial scene in the film. Of course. Um, I also think that, like, look, if you're looking at the scene right now with your 2022 goggles, does it look goofy in a sense? It looks a little goofy when, the, when it happens. But that's yeah. just because they had to, like, do it in a way that was, like, not gory, right? Or not over the top. They couldn't, yeah. they couldn't show a lot. So. No, no. They couldn't so they show had to, a knife being punctured into somebody. You could not show a knife 
puncturing someone and you cannot show a woman naked at yeah. all like any nudity at all like that's why i do like there is some respect for the like for the remake because you kind of do see sort of more like in, especially in the shower scene it's a bit more like graphic yeah it's because they they could do it right so yeah yeah. Also, I don't know if you read this fact. Interesting thing. This was the first American film to show a toilet being flushed on screen. Yeah, I know. It was like looked down upon. I was like, that's such a weird rule. Like, you can't show someone flushing a toilet. Yeah. I'm like, why? Like, what? Is, like, they're not showing them going to the bathroom. Like, they're just flushing the toilet. Like, yeah. Like, and it's like they apparently wrote it in the way because, like, the author wanted it to be shown, right? Mm-hmm. So they 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 made it a plot point that she had to flush the toilet because she f- threw the papers like the torn up paper in the toilet and flushed it, mm-hmm. and it later came into play in the plot. So they had to have that scene; they couldn't take it out. Yeah. So yeah. Even in, in all honesty, does it really matter at the end? No, it doesn't. But it's <laughs> like it just. They already know that she was there, so like I don't like it. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, so yeah. It was, I thought it, yeah, she's taking a shower. They have the interesting scene of, like, the shower coming straight out the camera. Yeah, honestly, because, again, it's, like, 1960s. Like, how the fuck are you shooting that? I actually read how they did that. So, it's actually ridiculous how they did that. Yeah. So, they just had a regular camera, and they built a literal six-foot diameter shower head that sprayed out in a cone around it. They took some jets out of the center, and so they could put the camera in the center and film that shot. Yeah, that's some gangster shit, man. Like, I'm literally, like, I'm six feet tall. Imagine a shower head, like, the, the height of me. Like, yeah. And they filmed, like, the water coming out. I'm like, Jesus Christ. No, honestly, because I know it took, like, a week to get that shot done. Well, I imagine so. You basically have, like, a giant, like, pressure washer coming at you. Yeah. And you have to film. Yeah. But, yeah, no, that was, like, I it was a, it was a good shot, too, like. No, honestly, because again, like you're wondering, like how the fuck are they doing that, right? Like you're in like 1960s cameras, like that shit, like would just destroy your cameras. Yeah, they didn't have like protection for the cameras. They didn't have CGI or anything like that. So exactly. They just had to film. Like you want to film a shower coming spraying out your camera, you gotta put your camera in the shower. Like yeah, exactly. Yeah, like that's one of the things I get. I guess that. But it's either a benefit for, again, it's a benefit for the people who are working on the films because now you could just CG shit and just add a fucking shower on post. That's cool and all that. But, like, again, like, I feel like the re- you're really talented. You could really show your talent back in the 60s because half of the shit they had to do, they had to reinvent that shit and get that shot, you know? Yeah. Well, like, I mean, yeah, back in the day, like, if you could do a shot like i think we like ben hur for instance that chariot race like chariot race yeah those famous chariots were like people literally got hurt yeah i know right horses died you know yeah back in the day if your horse fell down you literally had to like trip the horse with like a wire (laughs) like well they brought like the animal rights activists in rightly so because they were literally like just killing horses like yeah no no no. for the sake of a film yeah i get that i i get that that sucked but like again like the fact that they had to like really grind the fuck and i guess like they learn new ways to fucking like shoot things yeah even looking back at like old westerns or something where it's like you got people like falling off like 
stagecoach or something like it's literally just stuntman just jumping from like a moving stagecoach onto the ground and yeah like rolling around yeah so it's like to get that shot and you had to be like in like a moving vehicle next to them at the same speed it's like insane right yeah no 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 honestly but yeah so i think the one thing that gets one part of the scene that doesn't get mentioned as much is not the actual stabbing part of the scene but like the scene where it gets the shot of him coming into the bathroom. Mm-hmm. I always thought that was really like good. Like it built up the tension so much. Like you just see the door open, like on the other side of the shower and the silhouette. Yeah. That's like been used in so many horror movies now. It's like actually iconic. Yeah. No, hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. And then, then the part that's sort of like iconic, but also sort of goofy where it's like the shower, like the stabbing. Right. But, yeah. And it's like, yeah, so she gets stabbed to death. <laughs> if you didn't realize at this point we're talking about if she gets stabbed, yeah, she gets stabbed to death. Again, um, back to what we were saying about Hitchcock not, like, breaking the norms of what was already established in Hollywood. Um, two things happening. A, somebody fucking got, dies in a shower. No film. At that point in, like, modern Hollywood, uh, at, not modern, at... North America, oh, Hollywood in a sense, ever did that. Yeah. And B, killing your killing your lead in the middle of the film. Yep. If not the middle of the film, like... It was like a third of the way into the film. Exactly. Yeah, that was a pretty big twist because you think, like, this film is going to be about her and, like, this, and then, like, she just dies. Like, yeah. And you're like, what? We talked about this in our Nightmare. I think we brought this up in Nightmare. Yeah. Did Psycho was like probably the first film to do this? I I'd wager. Yeah, pretty like, much. Yeah, I don't, like I don't know a ton about classic cinema, but I don't think many films like killed off their lead like a third of the way into the film. Yeah, no, I don't think they ever done that. So yeah, that was a big twist, and you're like, oh shit! Like, geez. which is why like uh, Hitchcock was so adamant that people don't come in. Yeah, the, yeah. That was, yeah, that was one of the major reasons because that was such a big twist. Exactly. And even to this day, it's still a pretty big twist if you'd never know anything about the film. So, exactly. A lot of, uh, uh, 90, like 95% of films keep their lead to an entire film. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes, like, you get the odd occasions. You get, like, the No Country Full of Men that kill, like, Josh Brolin. Yeah, they kill him off, off, you know, so- off screen, too. Yeah, but he's you the most of the film, so. Yeah, but he's still your lead, though. Yeah, but you don't kill him off screen, and you still have like time in the film. Yeah, but I don't know. They did, so you know, or the Departed, they kill off a uh, Leo. Yeah, I mean, they do that more often nowadays. They yeah, sort of bait you into thinking something's gonna happen. Fair enough, but like, it's still a taboo thing to do. The fact that, like, this originated with this film is still kind of incredible. Yeah, so... Uh, a lot of this, there's a lot to talk about. There's one scene in particular, too. It's like, I think uh, we should just mention, like, it's had to get past the censors because it's a woman showering and you can't really see anything, but she is naked, so... Mm-hmm. So, well, no, she showers with clothes on. <laughs> Imagine. That's, that's what I do. I don't know. I, <laughs> I can't afford laundry. So, so, yeah, it's just like, I believe when he showed it to the censors, it, people like were like, oh, I saw her bare breasts. And he'd be like, no, you didn't, right? And he's like, okay. 
So he took it back and then didn't do anything and then showed it to them again. And then apparently the people who saw it didn't see it this time. And the people who didn't see it claimed they saw it. So it's like, you guys know what you're talking about, right? Yeah. So you just like, you know what? You guys don't make any sense. Yeah. Same with the opening scene. I think he, they said they couldn't show him like in a bra or something, right? Yeah. He's like, okay, so I'm going to refilm the scene. As long as you guys come along with me and watch me refilm it and you can give me tips on what to do and none of them showed up so he didn't refilm the scene so mm. yeah he had to get us past the sensors and then just the whole shot of her like falling over like clutching the shower curtain right and yeah just like the dead and then like yeah just like pulling up the drapes down yeah and then the, the blood draining into the thing which... fun fact that is not actual blood that is uh chocolate syrup it is chocolate syrup because it showed up better than you know, fake blood, you know, black, the film's in black and white. So yeah, which we didn't mention, but yeah, no, I guess we didn't mention it because, uh, he wanted to keep it under budget. Yeah. That was the reason he wanted to keep it. I mean, part of the reason was he didn't want it to look too gory, I guess, which there wasn't a lot of gore. It was just his one scene really. Yeah. But he also, yeah, he wanted to keep it under budget. So he wanted to make the film so badly that he like waived like him being paid and he just took like a percentage of the profits instead. Mm-hmm. And they gave him a pretty large percentage because they thought the film was not going to do well. Mm-hmm. And then he made a lot of money. So yeah, made like a shit ton of money. No, that was uh, Hitchcock's highest grossing film. Yeah, he he basically made like like a thousand times his money. It was insane. Like, yeah. So yeah, and this is a whole scene. Like even just uh, her staring at the camera, like the extreme close up. You know what? I I still I, I haven't researched how they did that. And some part of me doesn't want to know. Are you stream close up of her face? Yeah. I thought they just got really far in. Okay. No, because I like it because like, like, I love how the, like, the dream for the shower like turns into like her eyes is like dead. Like, I love that shit. And just the fact that you see it pulling up and the eyes is just not closing. Yeah, no, it was it's a very good scene. So, yeah. So after this, yeah, we've talked about this one scene for very long. It's probably the longest we're going to talk about a scene. But. Pretty much. So yeah, as it goes on, you see like it cuts back to the house and he's like, oh, mother, what have you done? Blood. Blood. <laughs> Apparently Alfred Hitchcock cut the bass out of Anthony Perkins voice just to make him sound more like a frightened teenager. Mm. So then he goes down and sees the blood. And then this whole scene is very interesting because for a man who's very shocked, he like knows exactly how to get rid of this body. Like, like it's he's done that before. Like he brings out a mop, he wipes down the whole scene, he puts the curtain over the carpet, over the thing so it doesn't overlap, so he doesn't get any blood on the carpet. Mm-hmm. Like drags the body out, washes his hands of everything, makes sure there's like there's no debris, and like goes outside, gets her car, backs it up, then drags the body out and throws it in the trunk. I'm like, damn, this guy is like super efficient. And it's like, there's a fairly decently long scene. It's like five minutes of him doing this, right? No, exactly. Like, it's surprising, though, to see that, though. You know, most movies would probably just like cut that shit up like immediately, right? Because it'd be like, oh, like, what is he doing? Like, this is boring. I thought it was interesting because it's just like you're just watching this guy work away and it's like, how does he know what he's doing? He's like, he, this is more just insight into his character of like, how is he so efficient at this if he's like so horrified? Like, 
right? Exactly. It just feels like like he's done this like multiple times. Like most people, if they like had to deal with a dead body, they'd be like freaking out, right? They wouldn't be like, okay, let me get the mop out, you know, let me yeah. set up the curtain here, you know, like vomit or puke around it, like yeah, and he's just like so efficient, right? Yeah. <laughs> the one thing I will say, it is extremely convenient. He lives next to like a bottomless swamp, apparently. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> that you can just throw a whole car in and yeah. like sink it. Yeah. Yeah, and then it also, yeah, I think they mentioned he has like his nervous. He had his, like, improvised, like, I don't know if it's a nervous tick he's eating, like, candy corn all the time. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, like... That was improvised. That was improvised, yeah, so... Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he throws the body away, and then it cuts back to, um... It's, like, it's like shows his, uh, the lover, Sam, right, at his place of work. Yeah. In the town she was going to, Fairvale. And yeah. And her a woman comes in who looks very similar to her. Mm-hmm. And you're like, who is this? And it's like, oh, yeah, it's her sister, Lila, or something. So it's like, where is Mary? And is it Mary? No, it's no. Her sister's Lila. Oh, Lila? Lila, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. He's like, where is Mary? And, you know, he's like, I don't know. I don't know. And then a, a guy comes in. He's like, ah, oh, yeah. So why don't we all talk about Mary? And it's like, what is this about? You know, and it's like, finds out that she stole the money. And he's, he's like, oh, I'm a pirate guest. My name's like Abergast, which is like a... Yeah, Abergast. Abergast, which is a very odd name. I don't know where he got that name. I know, right? I was like, you need to pick like a, the weirdest name you can pick, Abergast. Yeah, I no, I have like no idea. Yes, I had to fact check on the Lila part. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty sure it was Lila. So. <laughs> okay. I, I honestly don't remember her name. I always thought she was like a Marie something. Well, I was surprised you remember Arbogast instead of Lila. <laughs> because it's such an odd name. They don't really call her Lila. Yeah, you're right. They don't call her Lila that much. They just call it Crane. Mrs. Crane, yeah. Mrs. Crane, yeah. Yeah, so they're like, okay. So he goes around. And he's like, you know what? I think she's still in this town. And she's like, he goes around like every hotel. Mm-hmm. And eventually cuts to him winding up at the Bates Motel. And like Norman just sitting out there eating this candy corn. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he starts like, yeah, you want to talk? And he's like, yeah, sure. And Norman's just like, it's weird because it's like his character changes completely when he's talking at first to the guy, right? He's like very clear about what he's talking about, you know, like, oh, yeah, this and this happened, you know? Yeah. Like he had a story prepared already, right? Yeah. Like, because he knew, like, he probably thought in the back of his mind someone might come looking for her, right? Yeah. So he had to come up. It's like, yeah, you know, she just... I don't know. No one's been here for weeks. You know, I didn't even turn on the sign, you know, yeah. like, and the guy's like, and he's, it's like, he sort of like baits him a lot. And he's like, yeah, you know, and he's like, yeah, you know, a couple came back. Like, oh, that's interesting. Cause you said no one's been here for weeks. Oh yeah. Did I say that? Yeah. And, you know, I sometimes forget, you know, well, let me check the register. And he checks the register. He's like, yeah, this is her. And then that's when he starts like breaking down. He starts stuttering again. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you know, yeah, mom, uh, you know, I, I remember now, you know, and he's like, yeah. yeah, I get a mental picture. You know, It's like, it's like very like, like how the fuck did he fall for that bullshit? You know, I don't know. He's not. If you already knew he had to get a story up together, like how are you going to fall for the easiest, like fucking tricks? He wasn't even like beating him that hard. <laughs> No, it wasn't. He basically baited himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this one, like, Anthony Perkins does such a great job in this film, just, like, the way he switches character yeah. like, traits 100%. so quickly, like, going from, like, aggressive to, like, timid to confident, back to timid, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, this whole scene is also really good because it's like you just see him slowly falling apart, you know, becoming more and more nervous. And you're like, oh, Jesus Christ, like what's going to is the guy going to find out? Right. Exactly. It's only once again, once his mother gets mentioned, he's like, you know, you should go. Right. Yeah. That's like the trigger for him. Anytime his mother is mentioned. Right? Yeah, pretty much. So he's like, OK, I'm going to go because he doesn't have to talk. To me. He's not a police officer. He already said he wasn't a police officer. He's just a random. He's a private investigator. You don't have to ever talk to these people. Right. Just- exactly. So he tells him to leave and the guy's like the private investigator calls up and he's like calls up uh lila and says you know okay i don't feel good about this you know there's something going on i'm gonna go talk to this old woman so i'll call you back in like an hour yeah goes back to the thing uh doesn't see nor doesn't see norman around so he goes up to the house goes in and then he's like climbing up the staircase and then there's another pretty good moment of tension where just like you see the door slowly opening and you have like the overhead shot of him. Yeah. Like the person coming out and like stabbing him. Yeah. This is probably okay. okay. You don't like this scene, huh? No, I, I like the scene. I just don't like this one part where he's falling down the stairs. Yeah. Cause it's I like, knew you're going to say something like that. It's so goofy looking like, yeah, like I understand it's the limit of the technology at the time, but it looks like he's on like, standing on like a platform just going like waving his arms <laughs> and like you can tell like it's just like a, a like he's put over like a shot right yeah. and like first of all if you got stabbed how are you falling perfectly down like 30 steps like without like tumbling backwards like tripping a single time mm-hmm. he falls down like all the stairs without falling up until the end i was like jesus <laughs> christ this man is really did good balance <laughs> Like, I sometimes just trip on the stairs walking normally. Like, how's this man, like, after getting stabbed, like, fall backwards? He got stabbed? Okay, because, you know what? That shot didn't make sense either because it didn't look like he... he it looked like he got stabbed in the overhead shot. looks like he got stabbed in the chest. And he has, like, blood on his face? Exactly. No, it doesn't... No, it's not even blood. It's like a cut. It looks like a cut. No, I thought it was just, like, a blood splatter, but I'm like, even then, like, it oh, wouldn't... Okay. It wouldn't he didn't stab him so hard that he like blood like exploded <laughs> <laughs> out of his body. Like he stabbed him like once in like the chest, and then like again he- fell like awesomely back stairs. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's probably like I- you know what? I-, I know you're gonna hate it. I'm okay with it. I know it's goofy as a motherfucker. I think but- even when I first watched the film, I'm like, this is so goofy looking. Like how did yeah. That- and then once again, the whole, like, he fell down all the stairs without tripping a single time. Like, I get it, it's the technology of the time. They're not going to make the guy, like, fall down some stairs for, like, the sake of a shot, right? Yeah. So, yeah, so he gets killed. And then there, then it cuts back to Sam and Lila. And they're like, what's happening? It's been three hours. He's going to go back in one hour. So he's like, okay, let's go up there, right? Well, going back to that shot. Uh, so we're talking about that remake again. You know, I, I know it's a shot for shot for shot but the thing is honestly that should have worked way better in the remake because they had the technology to film that did they do the same thing yes they did why would you do that like yeah i know exactly it's it doesn't make sense like at that time that's where you can improve on the fucking shots everything that you did bad you could just improve it like yeah, they, they only, kept that scene. They only did that because they had to. Like, yeah, it's like when was this made? Like the nineties. Like they could have done like an actual shot. Yeah, they could have had a guy fall down the stairs. Like, yeah, they could have just paid a guy like a stuntman to do it. Like, 
Yeah. They, they could have filmed it. Like, they don't need to have him, like, awkwardly be like, whoa. <laughs> like, yeah. And, like, a weird, like, smoothly moving down, like, a staircase. Like, yeah, no, that's what, that's what, again, that's, like, another thing I don't like about the remake. I guess I keep bringing that up, but. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I'm the only one who's watched it. So. I never saw it. I generally was curious, and I watched it, so. <laughs> I never watched it, so. But, yeah, so they go up to the place, and they're like. Mr. Arbogast. And then you see it cuts back to Norman Stan over old Swampland. He's like, oh shit, not again. <laughs> yeah. So then they go, they don't find anything. So they go back and they're like, they're like, oh, we go talk to her, like our, the local sheriff. Mm-hmm. Which surprisingly, they let him into their house at night. Like, well, I know, right? Like, I would be so pissed off if I was the fucking sheriff, man. <laughs> like, I think we talked about this in uh, the Back to the Future thing where, like, they have all their professions listed. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's just, like, how it was. Like, if you weren't at work, you could just go to their house or, like, call them at their house and, like, speak to them about stuff. Like, yeah. Especially if it's a small town, I guess, right? Like, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. You can just, go, like, yeah, doctors, like, in sleep at night. Yeah, I got a problem. I mean, doc, <laughs> you know, you just do that. They, I guess they do that a lot of period pieces. They did the same in, like, the Green Mile as well. Oh, really? Well, that was, I haven't seen Green Mile, that's why. I never saw Green Mile, damn. Well. Anyway, so they go to the guy's house and they'd be like, yeah, we got a problem, you know, we, this guy said he was going to help us and he hasn't called back. And they're like, well, I think he, you know, is trying to stall. So he just take your money, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, well, can you just like call him up? And yeah, he calls up Norman and he obviously he's like, yeah, you know, he came and he left, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what did he expect he's going to say, right? Yeah, exactly. So like, okay, whatever, we'll go check it out in the morning. So then it cuts to the scene of him like hanging up and like going up and talking to his mother again. Mm-hmm. He says like a line which is kind of funny. It's like you're gonna put me down in the fruit cellar. Think I'm fruity, do you? <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know, but it's just funny. Yeah, yeah, honestly. I was like, okay, I don't think it's supposed to be funny, but it actually was kind of funny. Yeah. So then yeah. I think it's cause like it's sort of shown that like you see this person in like a dress doing the killings, right? Mm-hmm. So you think like, oh, maybe it's him. Like, and you might think like, oh, it's him in a dress, right, or something. But then you see like him take this woman out of the room, mm-hmm. bring out the fruits. So like, oh, because I think I mentioned the scene before that the mother's dead, right? Yeah. So like, he sees like him take this woman out of the room. Like, well, she's dead. Like, who is this woman, right? Like, he's clearly taking someone, right? Yeah. So it's like it's just like another like throws another like like wrench in like what you're thinking. No, it's it's still giving you like the audience guessing in a sense. Yeah, so they go to meet them at the church and be like, "Okay, I will go." And it's like, oh, "I already went, and there's nothing there. I went the whole place." And it's like, "Okay," so they're like, "Okay, we got to do this on our own." So they go there. <laughs> this guy is the worst interrogator. He's like the most overly like aggressive interrogator of all time. Yeah, I know, right? First, he's like, "Yeah," he goes up. I also like. One other thing, I also like how Norman has changed his, like, tactics again, right? He's gone to just try not to talk at all, because he knows that doesn't work anymore, because he can't keep his story straight. Yeah. So he's just like, yep, you need a room? Okay. You need to run? You want to sign the register? No, it's fine. You know, just keep going. You know, like, he doesn't make any small talk. He just wants him to go. Yeah. Like, I like I like how he changes every time you see him. Like, he's, like, he learns from his mistakes, right? Mm-hmm. 
like first time he's like really open about everything, you know, like this is my relationship. Second time someone comes up, he's like trying to come up with a story and then that fails. Now this time he's just like, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to get them in and out. Mm-hmm. And then like that doesn't work because the guy's like, yeah, you know, uh, most places, uh, if you don't have any luggage, you got to pay a fee. He's like, yeah, $10. Okay. Again, like who the fuck would like argue about something like that? <laughs> that's so weird. Yeah. That's why this guy's like being overly aggressive with his like yeah. way of talking. Like, yep. Yeah, I'll show you. Oh, we don't need you. Bye. Yeah, honestly. So then they decide, like, okay, we're going to go look around the cabin one. It's like, yeah. So they go in the cabin and they find, like, the scrap of paper that says. Uh, There you go. That's how uh, that scene gets brought back. So it's like, yeah, this means she had the money here and she she was going to do something. I don't remember why this was relevant because they already said they had her name there and she was in that cabin. So they already knew this fact, like. I guess maybe they thought it was... Well, the, the guy, uh, what's his name again? Sam. Sam, yes. Sam Loomis, right? Yeah, Sam Loomis. Yeah. How do I forget that? That's like, that's a, that becomes a Halloween reference. But anyways, uh, yeah, Sam. Um, he already, he establishes after, he's like, oh, like, uh, Arbogast never said that, like, she wasn't here. That's already been a fact. Yeah. So I don't know why she brings it up again. Yeah, so he's thinking that, like, he killed her to get the money or something, right? Yeah, that's what everybody's thinking. Well, I mean, that's the most reasonable thing to think, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he's like, okay, I'm going to stall Bates, and you can go talk to the mother, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's the worst stalling of all time. No, really, honestly, man. Like, Like, first he starts off, like, talking to him normally, and then he starts, like, interrogating him, like, yeah, if I was going to open up a new place, I'd need money. Where do you think you got the money, eh? I'm like, bro, like, aren't you stalling him? Like, I know, right? Are you stalling him or like interrogating him? Like, <laughs> I know, I don't get that. I'm like, like, I'm not gonna like, like, what are you doing? Like, you're just ruining this, right? Honestly, yeah. So you, anyway, it shows her like looking around the place, and he goes up to the room, which is like, not. It's, it looks like it's from the 1920s. Like, it's got like a literal bathtub in the room and like a fireplace and everything. Yeah, and shows like there's been someone in the bed, right? Like. Someone not Norman Bates because, like, the impression's, like, too small or something, right? Yeah. And then he goes in, like, the bedroom. It's, like, a child's bedroom, which is, like, preserved. And it looks like someone's been there, too, right? Mm. It's, like, someone's been sleeping in there. So it's, like, just really odd. Like, it looks like no one's lived in this house, like, changed this house for, like, 40 years, right? Yeah. So she she's just looking around. And then, like, after this guy's terrible interrogation, he's, like, where is your where is this female you're with? And he's, like... He just knocks the guy out with, like, a vase or something. So easily, too. I thought this guy was kind of... He wasn't ripped, but, like... He's yeah. bigger than Anthony Perkins. Anthony yeah. Perkins is not a short guy. Like, yeah. he's pretty tall. So he's even taller than him. So I yeah. was like, geez, like, for all of that, like, he sucks. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> this man didn't do anything. <laughs> so, yeah, she hides from him and notices there's, like, a cellar. So she goes down to the cellar, and this is, like, the big reveal of the film. Mm-hmm. She sees, like the mother right like or their back turn he's like oh mrs bait and like i don't was it a, i don't understand it wasn't like a swiveling chair like it looks like a normal chair to me but yeah. apparently it was a swiveling chair so yeah touches i thought it was like one of those like uh rocking chairs yeah but it wouldn't like swivel no i wouldn't but i'm saying like it should have been like that but it turns into like a swivel after so yeah he touches her and like turns around and it's like a skeleton like it's a mummy right pretty, pretty much, much. 
And she's like, ah, and then this is where he shows up and he's like in a dress and he's like, ah, and, like, yeah. I just... and then the music starts queuing in from the uh, bathtub, the shower scene. Yeah, they do that every time he does the killings. They do it all th- three times. Oh, yeah, 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 that's true. That's they true. do it in the stair scene, too. Yeah, yeah. So, except in the, I think in the stair scene, it's like faster. It's like, dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Because it's like really quick. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and then he gets stopped by... Okay, this looked a little weird because he's like grabbing him and he's just like, ah. Like, I was like, he wasn't even choking him or anything. He's just like holding his arm. Right. But I don't know. Maybe it's just like he's so like weirded out. I don't know. Oh, no. Maybe it's just because he got uncovered. Yeah. And then like somebody's holding him back now. So he's kind of like trying to break out of it. In his mind. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he gets stopped, and then it cuts to the scene where the police and the psychoanalyst comes out. So okay, I wanted to talk to you, but that scene—I don't think that scene's good. The psychoanalyst scene. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I mean, think I think the scene. first time I saw it, I didn't like it that much, but I liked it a little more the second time. I well, because it's like the exposition dump. Yeah, it is the exposition dump. I mean. I've mentioned this many times during our things. I don't like it when they over explain things in films. Mm-hmm. And this is the prime example of that, where a man literally explains everything yeah. about the character. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, he has two personalities. And, you know, when he killed him, he was the mother. And then now he's permanently the mother, you know, and then this and that. And like, I guess it was like, it's just a different time. So they had, this, was, this was the time when they didn't, they did a lot of exposition. Time. Well, Hitchcock didn't even like it either. He didn't like the scene? No. Well, I, they had the scene then. Uh, it was the, uh, what's called uh, Universal. Oh, they thought the audience was too stupid to think what was going on? Yeah. That's so annoying, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't mind it as much the second time, but maybe that's because I already knew what was coming. So I was like, okay, mm-hmm. they're doing the exposition, you know, explaining things, you know. Yeah, they basically just explain it's like, well, you've already figured out it's a split personality. So. Yeah. No, honestly, I would just cut that exposition dump and then just show him in a, in the jail. And then just like her monologue just going off and then Yeah, that's I mean, it. if anything, they could have just had like them sitting and then the analyst come in and be like, yeah, I didn't hear from Norman. I just heard from the mother and then it cuts to the scene, right? Like yeah. just establish that like he's no longer there. Yeah, it's just I feel like it just drags a little bit. It does drag a little bit. You are right. Yeah, like yeah. It, you literally just had the shocker plot twist the entire time. Next thing you know, you're just like sitting for this like three minute like exposition dump that you're just like, yeah, okay, I already know that, but like I've yeah, watched like, a fucking film. Yeah, it was like five minutes or something. But... Yeah, it was pretty long. So yeah, it cuts back and he's like, you see him in the cell and he's just like, you can hear the monologue and it's like the woman, his mother speaking, right? Mm-hmm. It's pretty, it's pretty good actually. He's just like, you know, I. Didn't mean to get rid of Norman, but I couldn't have him accusing me. And he has that scene, that line was like, I'm not even going to kill this fly. Yeah. It's iconic. And then it's, it's been like, parodied so much. Yeah. And then they'll say she wouldn't even hurt a fly. And then like superimposes like the skeleton on her face briefly. Yeah. Basically just showing that like he's the mother now. Yeah. Norman base is gone. And that's the end of the film. They show the pulling up the car from the swamp. Yeah, and then pretty much that's it. That and no credits, no because they would show the credits in the beginning. Uh yeah. And that is cycle. Um again, what we, we talked about uh it's a pioneer uh of its time. I do think that because it's just a pioneer, 
there is issues with the film. No, yeah, I yeah, there are issues with the film. It's a it's an old film. Like it's you can definitely tell it's dated, and there are things that you could criticize, but like they're more because of the time. As yeah, we did criticize them in this in this us talking about it, right? Like those are more like due to the time, and also like the acting's different and because of the times as well. You know? Yeah. But people are going to think like the acting sometimes could be corny, and I don't. I, I'm not hating on the acting as much. I'm just hating about like nest like some scenes, like just the way it's written out. Yeah, like I said, the first scene was like written out, and you mentioned it's kind of all over the place. Yeah, so it's like it's like Jesus, and they're just it feels like they're just like delivering like random lines almost one after the other. Yeah. So it's like, okay, it's yeah. going on a little long. Yeah. yeah, and then again, I'm going to that exposition dump that I don't personally care for. It's kind of weird that the first and last scene of the films are kind of like the weakest. Yeah, the best scenes were the ones where they weren't talking. Yeah. Like the ones where it's just Anthony Perkins or something, like, burying a body or, like, I mean, they're, they're not Marian saying... Marion being in a car and letting the voiceovers go through. Yeah, or just like anything like that. I mean, not to say the dog was bad. Like, like I said, the scenes with Anthony Perkins talking were probably the strongest because mm-hmm. I guess he's just it was very he did a very good job. Yeah, no, hundred percent he did. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to add last minute to about the film? Yeah, uh, I mean, I think we talked about everything. We talked about like behind the scenes stuff. We talked about the film itself. Yeah. I mean, like we said, this is sort of uh, it's credited as being one of the originators of like the slasher genre, even though it's not really like a a slasher film. Yeah, it just no. They took a lot of uh, inspirations for this. So, this is literally the, like the blueprint of. I actually, I wouldn't even call it a blueprint. I'll just call it like just like inspiration. inspiration. Yeah. I feel like with blueprints, like it starts developing more when we start going into like the seventies. When we start talking about like the Black Christmases, we talked about this when we did our nightmare uh, review. That like the Black yeah. Christmases really like. Yeah, if you haven't heard that episode, go check it out. I know, right? Shameless plug. <laughs> you might as well plug everything, right? Yeah, you're already here. You already made it this far, so exactly. And then like talking about Halloween, like what well, we haven't talked about Halloween. I don't know when we'll talk about that one day. Um, yeah, just talking about that film. And just like, I think that became the blueprint. But again, like a lot of it is due to cycle. You know, even like the fucking doctor in Halloween is Samuel Loomis. Yeah. You know, like th- there is a reason for that. It, it, like for that name, you know? Yeah. yeah. No, this is... Uh... Even with uh, our American cycle, you know, you can't tell me that Patrick Bates is a name for Patrick Norman Bateman. Yeah, it's clearly, Sorry, yeah, Patrick Bateman. Clearly, just based off Norman Bates' yeah. name, at least. Exactly. There's some sort of inspiration. Yeah, it was a more of a homage. Yeah. So, it's, and Patrick Bateman is not anything like Norman Bates, but <clears throat> no, 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 no. Nor is, nor is the story anything like this one. But... No, 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 no. But like again, yeah, it is a homage or like an inspiration in a sense. Yeah, because that's how I know that like Cycle had sequels. Yeah, they had two sequels. So yeah, and then like a TV show, and then the spinoff TV show as well. 
Yeah. yeah. The two sequels both had Anthony Perkins in them as well. So Yeah. I heard cycle two isn't the worst thing in history, but like, you know, when you start going to three, I swear to God, it was a fourth one, but I don't know. Yeah. But like, again, like this movie is definitive. Like it's should be always considered in classic cinema. Um, I had this in my top five for the longest time, but now like, I feel like I've seen like a million other films that can easily take that spot. Yeah, no, the film's good. So, in terms of legacy, uh, and personally enjoying the film, I'm giving it a nine. Yeah, no, I mean, originally, before I even rewatched it, I was gonna, I actually was like remembering it, but I'd seen it so long ago, I was gonna give it like an eight. And I was like, and I rewatched it, and I was like, oh, this film's better than I remember. So, even just like, I was gonna give it a nine as well, because I'm like, damn, this film. It's actually really good, and mm-hmm. yeah, not e- not even taking into account the whole legacy of it, just like the on its own, you know. Yeah, like yeah, there are some things which are sort of dated, but still, like it's considering they are dated, and the film is still as good as it is. So yeah, so I, that's what I'm saying. The only thing that drags me is again the exposition dumps and whatnot but i feel like again that was a thing that hitchcock also had an issue with too so i guess me and him have a similar mindset in terms of maybe less is more which is crazy because again hitchcock has always been known for the less is more uh yeah actually that's the reason he's part of the reason he wanted to make this film was because his previous film vertigo which was more of a big budget film right Mm -hmm. like he didn't want to do that anymore he's just like He'd rather just do something simpler, like uh, he wanted to make it more like, I guess, television based, he said at the time, which mm. I guess 1950 television was very simple. So, yeah. So, yeah, he didn't want another big budget. He didn't want another vertigo. He didn't want another North by Northwest. So Yeah. Oh, that's a movie that I want to really want to watch. I know it's like one of his best, too. North, North, North by Northwest. Northwest. Yeah. yeah. I've seen it a few times, so. Yeah, was that Jimmy Stork or yeah? Speaking of Mount Rushmore, uh, oh, because oh, yes, yes, he was in uh, Mount. Was he the hanging Mount Rushmore? Yeah, there was a scene where he's yeah off Mount Rushmore. Yeah, I I remember like reading the plot of North by Northwest. It's like it's a crazy fucking plot. Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, it's actually pretty elaborate. So yeah, <laughs> same with same with Vertigo. It's pretty elaborate. I thought just this is her taking care of the girl, and then like he has a few fights, and that's it. No, there's more to it. Than that. Oh, okay, there's more to it than that. Yeah, uh, fair enough. I mean, yeah, no, he's done some more complicated plots. Like, yeah, you need the birds. The birds. The birds is a simpler plot. Like Rear Windows, a very simple plot. Mm. But like, yeah. North by Northwest is not that simple, and neither is Vertigo. No. Neither is Dial M for Murder, really. Mm. So. Yeah. So, you give it a 9, I give it a 9, huh? Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's is up there in, in cinema. It's definitely a classic. Mm-hmm. If you were to, I think, I don't know, I think anyone... Oh, it's a 100% recommendation. If think, people want to know about the origins of, like, slasher films. Yeah, or you just like thrillers or suspense. This is another good one. Yeah. If you can get past some of the older aesthetics of it. but Look, if you guys want to watch the remake for whatever purpose, go ahead. I just do think that it does give less 
Like, I feel like you should watch this film more than that remake because I think you're just servicing Hitchcock a little bit. Yeah, I mean, like, if you're going to watch a remake, why wouldn't you watch the original? That's what I say. Mm-hmm. Like, and if it's, especially if it's a shot by shot remake of all things, right? Like, why wouldn't you just watch the original? Exactly. It's not like they did something different, right? It's not like they changed a lot. Yeah. Like, it's like if you really have an issue with black and white, by all fucking means, go watch the remake. It's literally, we're watching literally the same film, just with a little bit of added scenes that I don't know. Personally, I think the added scenes kind of ruined the thing. Like, I don't need to see Vince Vaughn jacking off, you know? But whatever, you know? I still think that the original still hits on every line. Like, it hits on every spot. And yeah. Yeah, so. Anyways, we're going to wrap this up here. Uh, This is our first episode of Spooktober. Spooktober. Yeah. Spooktacular. Spooktacular is... Anyways, we're gone. Right at the end of Spooktember. Spooktember. <laughs> Wake me up when Spooktember ends. It's too spooky for me. <laughs> Get them spooks, yo. Anyways, guys, thanks for listening. It's actually not that long of a... Oh, it's kind of a long review. It's okay, though. All right, whatever. It's no... It should be used to this by now. <laughs> exactly. So, we're signing off. Take care, guys. Okay, bye.